0: Listen up, cadets. Grab your badges, strap on your service weapons, because it's time for LCPOD, the Internet's number one T.J. Hooker podcast, bringing you a weekly look at the roughest cases and the toughest collars of one Sergeant Thomas Jefferson Hooker. I'm your host, Captain Caliban, and I would take a teddy bear over a clock radio any day. The teddy bear is better for target practice. My partner against crime is, of course, the author of Samurai Shortstop, Prisoner B 3087, Project 1065, and many other books for teens. His newest book, Refugee, is out on July 25th of this year. It's Alan Gratz. Alan, welcome back to The Beat.
1: Hey, thanks. I'm glad glad to be back.
0: Well, as you remember, last week in The Mumbler, Hooker and Romano were on the trail of a gang of armored car thieves. But this time, the stakes are more personal for both the victim and for Hooker himself. This week, we're talking about Vengeance is
1: Mine. Yeah, I love this episode. Um, you know, beyond beyond just the the, the how great this episode is, uh, Leonard Nimoy, the guest star this week, was on one of my favorite shows when I was a kid, In Search of. I don't know if you remember that show, but it was fantastic. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. All the, all those unexplained mysteries and stuff. I I, I really dug that. So. Uh, he was the voice on that show, and I was really excited to see him pop back up in this show. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I really loved him on In Search Of, and of course uh, I remember him from Mission Impossible
1: as well. He's really great on that. Oh yeah, totally. And he's also a guest star in one of the Columbos, a good episode of Columbo.
0: Oh, really? Okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Well, we are talking about Vengeance Is Mine. This is the 16th episode of the second season of TJ Hooker, and of course it has a very special guest star, Leonard Nimoy. Uh, We did talk about him briefly, I don't remember if you uh, remember, a few weeks ago, because he directed directed uh, the, the Decoy, episode The 14. Decoy, that's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But this time he is in front of the camera playing Police Lieutenant Paul McGuire, a former partner of Hooker. And Let's be honest, he's another in a long line of former partners, but...
1: I know, right? <laughs> yeah, we meet so many. But unlike
0: most of his partners, uh, he doesn't get shot in the first act of the show, so Hooker <laughs> has somebody to run off and avenge. Uh, yeah. We can get that in a bit, though. Alan, you know, we talked last week about my history with the show and how I grew yeah. up watching T.J. Hooker, but can you remind the fans of your connection to the program?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. I, so I grew up watching Hooker as well. My mom and dad were both hookers, uh, though my dad preferred the term hooky, not hooker. Sure. Um, my mom, though, she definitely identifies as a hooker. Yeah. Uh, and so I you know, I grew up watching that with my parents and then uh, really came full circle when I got to write a young adult novel about TJ Hooker when he was at the police academy, which was pretty awesome. Yes. Uh, that was a uh, police academy hooker with a heart of gold. Yes. So I was really thrilled to... To, to come back in, to, to, be, to like be a fan for so long, and then to finally be a part of, really, the official Hooker canon was pretty awesome. Can
0: people still get Hooker for the Heart of Gold?
1: You know, I think it's only available now on Kindle. Okay, that's possible, yeah. Or yeah. check your remainder, yeah. bin, I suppose. Um,
0: yeah. So, yeah, uh, I think that all hookheads uh, across the world can uh, really identify with a background like that. Uh, yeah. We all grew up watching the, uh, the show uh, yeah. I did on uh, Saturdays, and it's indication I'm a little a little too young to remember it, but, yeah, it, it, really, <laughs> uh, it really hooked me, I guess you could say. Yeah, nice, nice, yeah. But uh, f- let's get to the uh, answer for last week's trivia question. Of course, the oh, yeah. uh, question was, where did Corrigan used to moonlight as a stock car racer when he was mm-hmm. with the SFPD? And Twitter user 4Adam3000 was the first to come up with the correct answer, <laughs> which is, of course, Oakland Speedway.
1: Oh, good. We yeah, get that yeah.
0: information in Corrigan's first appearance in the episode Payday Pirates. This is the one where Fran Hooker gets pistol whipped into blindness over her bank deposit. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: right. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: It was a rough yeah. one. But we'll be covering that episode in a few weeks, so we can't get it, give that away just yet. Uh, right. And now we'll get to this week's trivia question, and it goes like this. Right. Before she's kidnapped by white slavers in the episode Carnal Express, episode guest star Trisha Noble sings at a nightclub with Hooker in attendance, what is the name of the number she sings?
1: Ooh, good question. All right, I won't say anything, because I know that's for next week. That's That's right, yeah. So if you have
0: the answer to that one, just send it to us at our Twitter at at LCPOD. It's a tough question. It's tough but fair, like Hooker himself. That's great, yeah. Officer Gratz, can you give me a rundown of what happens in this
1: episode? Oh, right, okay. So uh, in this episode, uh, we have a former partner of T.J. Hooker shows up, Paul McGuire, and uh, they're on a bust and uh they 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 they're talking about the old times they're reminiscing right. they're telling you know some some jokes and then they get a call on a possible rape victim and they go and find out of course it is Paul McGuire's daughter Val who has been raped and uh she thinks she knows who it is uh she thinks it's this guy who's in her jazzercise class right. and uh so her father swears that vengeance will be his, and uh, so does Hooker. Hooker swears, like, I'm going to kid this guy for you. But Hooker goes about it by the book, and her dad, Paul McGuire, he breaks a few of the rules trying to bring this guy to justice, and that's going to make Hooker and McGuire heads along the way. That's right, and their friendship is put to the test. Yeah, it really is. It strains their friendship.
0: Yeah. Well, that was an exemplary uh, recap there. Uh, Thank you. Let me just talk about some of those uh, particular. As I said before, the facts of the case. This episode first aired in February of 1983. The writer uh, is named Alison Hawk, and she was a prolific writer in the 80s and 90s on TV. Uh, she wrote for other cop shows. She wrote four episodes of Cagney and Lacey. She also wrote three episodes of Hunter, Stephen Canale's yeah. show. <laughs> we don't want to waste too much time talking about Hunter on this show.
1: No, I mean, that's the, you know, we'll stick with the good stuff. Yeah.
0: If you want to hear more about Hunter, you can check out our sister podcast, Watching Dryer, the Hunter podcast. But back to oh, Hooker, no. uh, yeah. she was also a writer on the
1: game show Press Your Luck. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, like no whammies, no whammies. Right. I, yeah, I miss that <laughs> show.
0: <laughs>
1: and the crazy thing is, like when I saw when I looked her up and I saw that she was a writer on that show, I was like, wait a minute. But it's an unscripted game show, right? Or was yeah, it? Yeah, it
0: makes you think about. Right, exactly. It makes you think about like, do you, do they need writers on a game show? I
1: suppose you yeah. probably do. Maybe they write the questions, but I think she probably, maybe she was writing like some of the no whammy stuff. Sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think every TV show
0: technically has a writer. Uh, you know, even, I mean, reality shows, of course, have writers as well, but it's right, yeah. a different, different question. Uh, the episode was directed by Phil Bondelli, who was a veteran TV director of the time. I think he worked on over 23 episodes of Chips. Hmm. Uh, and, of course, he directed four episodes of this show, uh, Vengeance yeah. of Mind, of course, um, The Obsession, uh, which was actually um, in the fifth uh, CBS um uh uh, era of the show uh terror at the academy right and also exercise and murder which is one of my favorite uh, episodes um oh yeah yeah we'll talk about that on a future show uh stacy goes undercover as an aerobic dancer to foil jewel thieves judson scott and robert davi but we got a couple weeks before we get to that one
1: yeah i love when she goes undercover like, like those are my favorite
0: yeah uh the week's special guest star of course as we mentioned is leonard nimoy uh and Let's look at our villain for this week. Let's look at his rap sheet. Uh, It's attorney Larry Foster, serial rapist, and Will Forte's dad. Oh, yeah. He's, he certainly uh, has a, more than a spitting image uh, of the Yeah, he does, yeah. Uh, he's played, yeah. He's played by Randy Powell, a character actor of the 70s and 80s. Uh, Randy and his eyebrows played a lot of bad guys. Uh, <laughs> his first yeah. major role was Francis in the Logan's Run TV series, which didn't last yeah, that, that long. Yeah, I yeah. uh, He also had a long run on Dallas as the slimy Alan Beam, and he had a supporting role in the film Battle Truck. Oh, battle truck! Nice. That takes me back. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And he's pretty greasy. I mean, when this guy asks, "Hey, do I look oh, like yeah. a rapist?" The casting director's answer was a big yes.
1: <laughs> Basically, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like, "You, you look exactly like a rapist," yes. so we're casting you. Right. Yeah, I just
0: get the hood on him, and we're ready to go. Uh, <laughs> I'm always amazed when you watch T.J. Hooker. The young actors you see that'll one day be something big. Uh, oh yeah. Somebody's always playing a thug, and then it's like, "Oh, holy crap, that's." Uh, you know that's uh, like like Robert Davi, for instance. Yeah, uh, Randy Powell sadly never really got that big.
1: Um, no, he never really broke no, out, did
0: he? No, yeah. But he does a great yeah. job here as the as the creepy guy who's the only man in a women's aerobics class.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty weird. And and the the leers he's giving her uh, as they're as they're jazzercising yeah. are pretty, pretty obvious leers. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the director in this case, uh, Bondelli, definitely uh, said, just give me more. Give me more. M- yeah. yeah more just leer. play it up. Yeah. And then yeah. if that doesn't work, we'll have you just ooh, sweet, sweet Val. Ooh.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, his sweet, sweet Val routine, uh, you know, he, when when he attacks a other woman later on, he uses the same thing with her name. That's and, his bit, yeah. Uh, that, I guess that's his thing. Maybe, you know, <laughs> that's what does it for him. And, yeah. And I, yeah. It's a weird MO. Yeah. But, of course, MO is important to this, uh, this episode and the way it all falls out. Uh, right, and and according to Hooker in this episode, M-O spells pattern. That's right,
0: yes. Another, it doesn't
1: spell Mo, it spells pattern. That's right,
0: another great Hookerism. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Val, uh, th- this week's victim is played by Michelle Tobin. Michelle didn't yep. have much of a career past 83, although she did yep. make an appearance on The Love Boat, and I think she was actually on Hunter as well. There is a great interview with her about her short career as a day player on television in the 80s on another mm-hmm. podcast, uh, the podcast of Matthew Starr. She talks mostly about being on Matthew Starr, but also a little bit about T.J. Hooker, so listeners. to to check that out
1: oh good yeah uh, i also wanted to give a call out to while we're going through the cast there's a there's a person who plays a, a very small role um the so betsy palmer plays the character ann armstrong and speaking of people who did go on to be like oh my gosh i can't believe that's her uh she's pamela Voorhees in friday the 13th that's right. like jason's mom yeah that's right So like that's one of those where you're watching this show and you're like, oh, wow, you you did you went on to do something else. That, that's really cool. Yeah. Right,
0: yeah. A lot of people have passed through the doors of T.J. Hooker on the way to stardom. Of course. Well, yeah. like you said before, this is an inversion of sorts for Hooker in this yeah. episode because he is usually the guy who is Captain Sheridan's yelling at him for breaking the rules. Right. But now he's got a rein in Maguire who's mad with vengeance. And so it's a side that we don't always see of Hooker where he's the yeah. one who has to do it by the book and toe the line.
1: Yeah, I really like that about this episode. I mean, it's a, it's a, it it gives William Shatner a, a a different role to play, you know, somebody so now he he has to rein it in. He's not the loose cannon that we've come to love. Um and it it puts him in the in the place of the of doing the real hard police detective work. And uh and I actually really like in this episode how he really does put together a case. Uh, you know, it he's got to be frustrated every time he takes something to the DA and says, we've got evidence. We think we've got this guy nailed. The DA is always like, I don't think it's enough yet. I don't think it's enough. You know, I'd be like, dude, I mean, like how much do you need? You know, the, the, the first victim identified him, you know, we've got another victim who's really ready to identify him. I mean, there's all these, this evidence building up, but he's really, really reluctant to pull the trigger, uh, so to speak. And, uh, that's what, of course, Paul, prompts Paul McGuire, the dad, to take justice into his own hands. Yeah, and the DA
0: does really push it th- this week. I feel like, um, and we can talk about like procedure on cop shows yeah. on TJ Hooker uh, a little bit later. But the the way that the D- DA really wants, they set it up for the audience really well uh, for audiences who are used to watching Starsky and Hutch or. I can't. I think Hunter. uh, Speaking of Hunter again, we keep talking about Hunter. Hunter kills. I think every single suspect.
1: (laughs) Like the last act of the the show. show Worry about court case because he just them. Exactly right,
0: and you know T.J. Hooker is guilty of that. Every once in a while, himself. Yeah, Yeah. but they really do set it up pretty well, and they they establish well that you know Hooker has a staunch moral code. It might not cleave exactly to what his superiors or what the courts or the D.A. wants. Uh, but it's his, it's his code, and yeah. he he won't yeah. brook anybody bending the law too far, as he feels McGuire like is right. doing in this in this case. But my question to you is: Does Hooker have a leg to stand on, though? Now mm. this isn't
1: really real life you
0: know this is this is television we enjoy uh when hooker jumps on a car and rides it for you know weeks into
1: the next week and a half yeah yeah, or jumps on a helicopter exactly right
0: and so and as i said before hooker's definitely uh solved a lot of cases with his gun do you think that he can really point the finger at mcguire in this case i mean this
1: guy's daughter has been attacked yeah right i know if they were to reverse the roles you you have to think that hooker would do the same thing right i mean like he is a guy who is not going to let the law stand in the way of justice, of, okay. go, of, of, you know, of, of, of meeting out justice and, and bringing his man – uh bringing in his man and, and getting his guy. Yeah, if something uh,
0: happened to Chrissy, his daughter, you'd have to imagine yeah, that oh, it would be very similar. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. I mean so I, I think we could have definitely seen that. um So now I'm with you. I think that put in the same situation, Hooker goes out and, and takes this guy down. I mean like finds him in a stairwell and just pops a cap in him. Yeah. I mean – uh, and I think would totally get away with it. Possibly.
0: Yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, Romano would be there to uh, maybe play the role that he's
1: playing for Maguire right. in this situation. Right. This yeah, is- or plant some evidence that'll get him off.
0: Yeah, the- or that too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's more yeah. fuel for my uh, for my hooker slash fix. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, the kill count, speaking of killing people, the kill count's pretty low this week with Hooker yeah. killing two armed robbers in the opening sequence while he's saving Maguire. And of course, not killing the suspect is the whole point of the episode's ending. So I think <laughs> that, it all works out pretty well.
1: Right. Right. It, it, again, you know, it's one where where this time the the writers maybe got tired of just killing off everybody and decided let's try and protect this one. Um, but while we don't have any any you know we we don't, we have a low body count. We got some we got some guys at the beginning. Some some uh, some criminals who really get theirs at the beginning. Oh, and and, and which is a nice moment too, like. Uh, you know in that bust before the rape before the the episode really gets going they're pulling this sting on criminals who are trying to like knock over a a, 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 a liquor uh, store right. and uh, they the the guys you know they, they chase them down they pin them down the, the the crooks are in their car they're screeching away they get them pinned and the guys come out with shotguns you know these 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 liquor store robbers are like trying to shoot the cops down and it's like Hogan's alley out there right and you know, Romano like tackles one, and and uh, I think maybe Hooker shoots one. He gets his shot in, but he this time weirdly he doesn't kill him, right. and he comes up with his shotgun ready to kill Paul McGuire, and that's when Hooker jumps in and saves his life. You right. know, and they talk about how the you know 17 years ago he did the same thing for him. You know, another another partner that he's helped out in the past, and um, so I mean it's good bonding episode, good bonding at the beginning, but we also have some gunplay which we miss in the third act of this one because we got to save the guy. Right, yeah. And let's let's talk about um, the third act, but actually let's talk about the
0: those uh, t- tense scenes that we get between oh, yeah. uh, McGuire and Hooker. I'm um, thinking yeah. especially of the one where Hooker confronts McGuire uh, on the track uh, when he's running on the oh, track yeah, at the Academy yeah, yeah. after McGuire has broken into Foster's apartment, uh, stolen the gun, and then planted it at the Clearly original crime yeah, scene. But, yeah. yeah, Screwing yeah. up uh, the collar that Hooker was setting up uh, with the D. Right, like
1: he actually did it right. Like yes. Hooker had it, had it right and got the, got this
0: stuff yeah. yeah and they have a great uh, a tense scene uh, on the track there uh where uh nimoy is jogging and of course we all know nimoy can't jog There's no, way. no not quite the guy, the, yeah it's the an guy hard, can't breathe awkward, so. uh,
1: sort of walk run yeah <laughs> right yeah uh the
0: copd is not good for that but uh but anyway yeah um, they have this great confrontation and i remember at the time uh, even how, as young as i was um that this was uh on TV a lot like you they I would see news uh, reports about how these two great actors were finally going to come together. And yeah, uh, I think um, they must have sent a film crew to like film them filming that because I remember seeing snatches of that scene. Uh, yeah, like on the news when I was a kid.
1: Interesting. Oh, OK. I don't remember that. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, but that's yeah, great... I really
1: like the dialogue here. You know, like, yeah. like Hooker finds McGuire. He's running laps and he's like, hey, Hooker, what's up? And Hooker's like my back, Paul. <laughs> right. You know, you're my friend. And I'd like to save you from a lot of grief. I mean, it's a real hard hitting dialogue right here where Hooker has to basically call out a best friend and say, like, I know you're planning evidence and, uh, you know, I can't. I can't let you do this. Like we got to do this the right way. That's right. Yeah. And also uh, he, you know,
0: McGuire's back gets up too and he sucks hooker yeah. in the face and it, yeah. it shows you uh, how much he respects McGuire and he really wants to get through with it to him because if anybody else had just knocked hooker in the face like that, that guy'd be on his ass. But hooker. Yeah, just looks totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: He like, well, he catches the next punch, right? right. Like, so yeah. he punches it once then hooker catches the next one because he's not going to let him do it again, but he's not going to hit him back. Because it's his old partner. Right. But he says, you know, like, you're pushing your luck, Paul. And maybe, I don't know, maybe this was the inspiration for Press Your Luck. Because Allison Hock wrote that. So, you know, like, pushing your luck. I or maybe she just borrowed the line from Press Your Luck. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah no, it's this great tense moment, you know, where you think, like, Hooker, Hooker would be totally justified in punching this guy back. Because it's Maguire. It's Nimoy's character that's really been the one who's messing everything up here. Yeah, he, but, really, he takes a whammy in the face. He does take
0: away. whammy, I mean, that's right. That's it keeps right. Digging. Yeah. And of course, yeah. then there is their tense confrontation at the end of the episode. And I, I love that uh, we're talking, of course, when uh, McGuire is finally fed up, even though Foster is behind bars uh, and he goes and gets him out. And he takes him to a zoo, which I thought was amazing, because yeah. because this, um, yeah. this scum's an animal
1: for what he did to his dog Oh, that maybe that's why. Yeah. Maybe that's what the writer was trying to do. Yeah. Well, also maybe
0: the location scout just found a cool abandoned zoo to shoot in. But uh... that is also
1: possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, we, we this follows a car chase that's is about as thrilling as the OJ Simpson Bronco chase, <laughs> and like he crashes through a chain link fence, maybe into an abandoned park or a zoo. But you're right, there are cages. Um, you know, and then. We have this really tense moment and and this is something I wanted to discuss with you because I've never like I've always had questions about this since I was a kid. Like Hooker and Maguire are wrestling for the gun, right? Like right. like Maguire's got got uh, you know the rapist, he's got him at gunpoint, he takes the gun off him for just a second, and Hooker jumps him. Hooker jumps Paul Maguire. And right. so they're wrestling for the gun, and then the gun goes off. Right. And like I, I'm, I was, I, you know, I remember as a kid thinking, "Oh my God, did Hooker get shot? You know, is he dead?" And but then, or like, did did Paul McGuire get shot? You know, is it Nimoy's character that's been shot? But. Apparently neither of them is shot. I don't know, it's unclear. What do you think is going on here?
0: That's plagued me for years. And if yeah. I ever got William Shatner in a room, there's one question oh. that I want to ask him, and it would be, yeah, what, what was happening there? What you know, what was going right? on? W yeah. in the script, maybe originally that's how they wanted um, Paul to go out. Maybe he was you know, shot with his own yeah. weapon. And then yeah. maybe later on they thought that no, no, that's uh we need more than that, and then we get the you know, the confrontation where he's gotta talk him down. Um, which right. I think is a little more emotionally satisfying, uh, especially, sure. you know, for the denouement of the, of the show where we get to see him reunited with Val, and it looks like he'll probably see, uh, he might do a little time, he'll definitely lose his badge, yeah. but at least they're back together. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't know. It, it is one kind of kind of uncharacteristic misstep, I think, in the uh, sort of the pacing and the action of the episode.
1: Yeah, it, it makes you think in that moment, we've seen, you know, it, this moment has been copied by so many other shows and movies since then, where two people are wrestling for a gun and it goes off. And then one of the people, you don't know which one, but then one of them slumps down dead and you realize who took the bullet. Right. And I, I kept waiting for like one of them to slump over. Yeah. Um, And I don't know, maybe it just like goes in the concrete or something, but it, but maybe, maybe the point is that it, it's what wakes Paul McGuire up from his stupor, like that he's been so hell bent on vengeance Right. That, That like, you know, and he's been threatening the, the, the rapist with the gun. He's been threatening Hooker with the gun. But was he ever really going to pull that trigger? Because, like, if he's really this guy that Hooker respected and was and was great friends with once, then you got to think that even though he really wants to drag this guy into a cage and, and shoot him, that maybe he couldn't. Maybe he was never going to be able to. Right. You know, and yeah, maybe he up. had yeah. to have this. You know, when the gun goes off, that's when it, that's when he breaks and realizes I couldn't have done this. Sure. You know? Yeah. And he I think the
0: episode on um, the script and uh, also Nimoy's acting does a great job of really showing his frustration. We always get this from Hooker week to week because he's so yeah. frustrated about, you know, the maggots who, who get the system lets off and we get to yeah. see it in those words in somebody else's mouth. And I think as a cop, as a hard driving cop like Hooker or McGuire, you get used to having to fight against, you know, not only the bad guys, but the good guys as well. You know, the, the captain's yeah. trying to keep you from doing your job. The DA is trying to keep you from doing your job. And so Hooker and, and the police department becomes an enemy to McGuire in this. Yeah. And yeah. so I think you're right. I mean, I think that he's trying to get it done and he sees every, you know, every man is his enemy until that gun goes off and he realizes you know right. how far he's gone.
1: Kind of breaks the fever dream. And, sure. and what we get to see here too is, is Nimoy, like you said, I mean showing us the full gamut of emotions. I mean, it's a shame he wasn't on a show where he could be like really emotional because he's so good at it. You yeah, know, right. I mean like he's he's such a powerful actor and and he shows us the you know ranges from from being kind and caring with the scenes with his with his daughter and 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 chummy and friendly with with Hooker and laughing at the beginning and you know telling jokes and and reminiscing to being this really vengeance driven angry character. And um it just it really shows, you know, what an emotional uh, actor he is and, and, and how he brings that to all of his roles.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's got a really great range, and it's, it's on full display yeah. here. Well, yeah. I want to talk about the villain really quick because we are talking oh, about yeah, uh, this back confrontation. Back that, sure. and, uh, and, of course, uh, they're struggling over the gun. They're doing all this. Uh, why doesn't Larry just run?
1: <laughs> yeah, and where's Romano? Uh, that's like, true, yeah. I was like – I was like, why doesn't the bad guy run away? And where's Vince? Like Vince, he loves to like go fly you – know, take flying leaps at people, you know? And, yes. And he's there. I mean he was in the car. So like while while Hooker and McGuire are struggling for the gun, why doesn't he do a, you know one of his patented flying takedowns right. and take down the, the criminal? I, I guess – they really wanted to just really focus on that that Hooker McGuire yeah. struggle. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think you're right there. Also, maybe yeah. he was still talking to Crystal about Hooker's bank account too. That is also possible. So that brings up, of course, the the running gag of the episode, as as you know, like almost every episode of TJ Hooker has this element, oh, like naturally. one some running gag. It, it you know it it lightens things up because look, Hooker dealt with some really hard hitting stuff like white slavery and prostitution. And, you know, and and so you've got to have a little levity in some of these episodes or it would just be so dark. Uh, So we get this great recurring gag about, uh, you know, Hooker's, his bank has misplaced his money or keeps getting the statements from somebody named T.R. Hooker, you know, J. Hooker, Um, you know, and it's this, and of course Romano, who has the the never ending string of girlfriends, you know, from episode to episode? Great. This week's girlfriend du jour is uh, one who uh, who's a bank, I guess, a, a like a, not a not a teller, but like a um, like a somebody who gives out loans at a bank, sure, you right. know, or like opens accounts at banks. Yeah. And uh, so you know he wants he wants to get Hooker's business. There, what is that great line he says? Like, um, like Hooker says, you know, like what do I get? And he's like, oh, you get a you get a, a clock radio, right. and he's like, "Oh, really?" And he's like, "What do you get?" He's like, "Oh, I get something better than a clock radio." Right. And right. Uh, you know, in nice Vince, we know what you're talking about, right there. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: uh, there's a little bit of something extra if uh, Hooker signs this. Oh yeah, oh no, here it is. Yeah, Hooker says I get a clock radio, and Romano says, "Yeah, you should see what I get." <laughs> right, rimshot. So, uh, yeah, that that's some good stuff. But 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 the weird thing, of course, is that that in this episode because so dark and so personal both were for, for paul mcguire and val but also for hooker like hooker uh, he tells us that he took mcguire and his wife to the hospital the day that val was born right. he's been a part of her life since she was born right and so it's a little weird that that right in the middle of sort of tracking down the rapist who attacked her we have these moments where they start joking about the clock radio um So I don't know. Maybe maybe in these cases the the levity was there to you know to to give us a break in the action. But sometimes I felt like, oh man, guys, focus. We need to get back to catching this rapist. Sure. Yeah.
0: But you know that's that's characteristic of Hooker. I think that's that's prime Hooker because
1: he's able to switch gears. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You know. be laughing about something one second and be like the hard nosed and, and and nose to the grindstone. Yeah. you got to have a
0: little bit. I mean, this isn't Hunter here. You got to have a little bit of that.
1: No, you're right. Hunter was too dark. I mean, this has got to have that fun in it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of fun,
0: I think there's a lot of great crunchy guitar in the incidental music this week, especially during the chase scenes. So
1: I tip of the uniform hat to Johnny Davis for that. Yeah. The music is great. And of course, you know, like every time I rewatch the show, that opening sequence is so great. You know, the the driving sort of rock theme song yeah. and you you know, the cars exploding and jumping over things and people rolling over hoods. I mean, it is like everything I love about TJ Hooker. The the way that the, the the title comes together from two different you know, two different fonts that come together as one. I mean, it's just classic. It's hooker. classic.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely classic. And, uh, of course, you know, themed by, theme by Mark Snow, famous composer. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just – even back then, he really, I think, had his powers, all of his powers.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I, I think it's one of the great TV show – themes of all time. Yeah. Well, let's talk about action. Uh, this week's big stunt is a doozy. Uh, after chasing oh, yeah. Foster
0: across a mall, through an obligatory painting class and over rooftops, yeah. Hooker leaps from the second story and brings Foster down, destroying a flower seller's flower seller stand in the process. Yeah. Uh, it's no leaping onto a speeding car, but it's a nice change up from the usual. I give it 7 broken collarbones out of 10.
1: Nice. I like it. Yeah, I was really disappointed that that we didn't have, you know, in the episode I get to talk about with you, that we didn't have him hanging onto the hood of a car because that is so iconic hooker, right? Sure. But but yeah, that flying leap is great. And you got to say that the chase scene, the, the foot chase scene through the mall, the crowded mall after you know they're they're trying to get him for this rapist after his second attack and um you know i i counted and that guy takes down 14 different people like totally just (laughs) tackles them as he runs through that mall and so you you totally get him like like anybody that that rapist runs into it's like he purposely runs into them to knock to the ground sometimes like when when somebody's a rapist but he's a serial you know knocker over right i mean he's He's a serial tackler. It's like when somebody
0: chases somebody through like the back uh, uh like the back uh, way on a, in a restaurant, you know, and they tip a oh, thing yeah. of plates over. He's tipping people over.
1: That's right. You got to hit every waiter on the way through and this guy hits like every shopper in that mall. Yeah. And there he runs through like a group of people painting, he knocks over their paintings. He he knocks over, you know, uh, like uh fruit stands and and people, I mean anything that could put in his way. He just ploughs through yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, he's He's just totally a running back going through the line, that's, knocking
0: everything over. That's all part of his. That's part of his strategy, I guess.
1: Uh, I think so, maybe. Yeah, maybe like if he feels like if he knocks somebody down hard enough, like Hooker will have to stop and help him. But Hooker's not falling for that. No, Hooker does not I mean, like no. he, he he could rip somebody's head off, and Hooker is not going to stop and call an ambulance. He is going to track down that guy. That's He's right. going to get it. Man.
0: That's right, and. The, the strategy in general of the villain kind of confuses me because one yeah. thing that I really like about Larry Foster is that he, they set him up you know the screenwriter of the show sets him up as the perfect example of this he 's a lawyer, so he knows yeah. the tricks and you can see why McGuire get so frustrated with this guy, and he 's pretty smart like he when he's in the lineup he he does that little trick you know where oh, he sort of leers at her and uh That's a great moment. Yeah. So
1: like right so for for people who haven't watched the episode in a while so yeah they 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 do the lineup and because the person who raped her was wearing a mask uh they've got them all wearing black masks and they have them all right. repeat the line that he says and she's pretty sure that the third guy is the guy who did it, the, and and she thinks it's the the lawyer. And on the way out, it's this really great dramatic moment. He yanks that hood off, and shows her that it really is him. Right. And of course, it's a great lawyer trick because now, like her testimony, her it comes is called into question. Did she only know that because it's him? Was right. she picking him out of the lineup? Yeah, was she? Yeah. You know. Does she have some sort of vendetta against him personally? You know, it's totally stuff you could use in court. It's a great dramatic moment. I yeah,
0: it's, it's really smart and de- devious on his part. But, yeah. And also I like when even at the end after he's been copped and uh, McGuire is going to, to you know take him out to the zoo – and his excuse to the, to the guy on duty is, oh, I'm taken to be arraigned. And he, yeah. and he's like, there's no felony arraignment after three
1: o'clock. Like, he knows yeah, all the yeah. rules. Like, he knows the system. This guy knows the rules. He's like, wait, you can't do that. Right. Like, there's somebody at three after three o'clock. So that and makes... that's when Paul has to pull the gun and... And go uh, yeah, of course. And, and go real commando on him. Yeah. That, so that makes me wonder. Just like
0: he's very smart sometimes, and he's kind of stupid sometimes. Like if you're yeah. walking away from the scene of a crime that you've committed, and somebody yells, you know, your name, he immediately takes off running, and then of
1: course knocks <laughs> every single thing over in in,
0: yeah. the, uh, in sight. Yeah. So that wasn't too smart. But
1: no, no, not too smart. And and stuffing your your uh, clothes that you were wearing when you raped somebody. Into a trash can in the stairwell, and really not making sure it goes all the way into right. the trash can. <laughs> right. Probably not the smartest decision. I know he's in a hurry, and so we have to we have to give him a little a little leeway for that. Sure. But I still think I would have tried to uh, make the evidence disappear a little bit better. Yeah. Speaking, yeah.
0: speaking of evidence, uh, let's talk about in our usual segment. It's not due process; it's don't process, where we look at mm. the sometimes unorthodox methods our heroes use in the war against crime. I think this week it's all on Paul McGuire. Uh, he thinks he's yeah. so smart when he breaks into Foster's place, takes that gun yeah. and he plants it at the scene. But, of course, he ends up busting up the collar that Hooker had already set up.
1: Yeah. Hooker's got this covered. Uh, we actually see Hooker do some real straightforward police work instead of just shooting it out with somebody That's for right. once. And uh, and then Paul has to go and ruin it all. And, um, you know, it – it look it's it's good old fashioned police work to plant some evidence, I guess, but uh yeah, but it makes, Paul,
0: it makes me wonder if Paul might have done this on some earlier cops. yeah,
1: yeah, he seems like he kind of like you know he has that scene with val where where it, and i I really like this scene uh, with with val uh, where she's she's t- telling him maybe we should just forget it and and I actually thought that um i i don't know uh how much you know what kind of experience allison the uh, Allison Hawk the writer it had, had with this kind of thing. Uh, But I thought that the treatment of Val after the rape was was really well done and carefully done. You know, she is she's a person who's broken, but she's also a person who's angry. Uh, She's she's a person who is also ashamed and she's dealing with a lot of the emotions that that I think real rape victims must go through. And so she's having this real heart to heart with her father and she's like, maybe we should just drop it. Yeah, Like maybe we should just let it go. And it's heartbreaking of course, because you're like, oh my gosh, no, you need to get justice. You need to bring this guy in and make sure he doesn't do this again. But you also realize that, that for her, as long as her father continues to, make this his personal crusade, it's never going to go away for her. Yeah. That's a good observation.
0: uh, I think we see that too in the character of Marcy Wade played by Judith Flanagan, who's one of the former victims, who herself has just apparently decided to live with this. I mean, she's working at the courthouse with this guy. And I think that it's a great, um, it's a great example by um, Alison, the writer, um, showing how women... I think a lot of times can't feel like they can't find justice. And so they have to subsume, right. you know, their, their grief and their rage over what's happened to them. But of course yeah. they get, you know, they get some revenge in this at the end.
1: Right. Hooker is there to stand up for all women and to, uh, and to bring, uh, this guy to justice. So, yeah. Uh, you know, then, so to get back to your point though, you know, we, we feel like this, this Paul McGuire character has maybe done this before. Cause after that heartfelt conversation, he gets up in his members-only jacket, and he, he leaves the house, and he knows exactly what he's going to do. He goes and he waits until uh, and, until you know, our rapist has left his house. He picks the lock. He gets inside there, and we don't see what happens next, but we kind of know what's going to happen. And we know that he's either planting evidence there or, it turns out, borrowing evidence that he's going to then – uh, plant he finds the gun that, right. that this guy uses and then puts it back at the scene of the crime right. which leads us to that great scene where where he's kind of telling hook like hooker knows that it's been planted and we get this you know really, really hookers in the da's office and he's explaining that he's got the case all wrapped up and the da is now telling us oh but weirdly uh you know he used a knife this time and not a gun and then the you know we have a detective come in with the uh the the gun wrapped up in you know um about uh, 20 yards of plastic wrap and sets it on the the desk and says uh, look what we just found at the crime scene and Hooker's like what crime scene the first crime scene right and uh he knows right then what Paul's done because of course Hooker and and uh, Romano had to go over that that parking garage with a fine tooth comb of you know sure. they spent hours after that scene that we saw just pouring through that place looking for that gun and didn't find it. Yeah, and we have this great sort of zoom in close up, right up on on Hooker's face, where that moment of revelation happens that's and right. he knows what's going on. So, um, yeah, I I think that this is a case where uh, where definitely McGuire is playing that that role of of rogue cop, if you will, right. and uh, and and so we have to usually that's a Hooker role. But now we've got a guest star doing it this week.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see the uh, the wingtip on another foot there. Um, Yeah, it makes me question Foster's uh, mo again, though. Like, how bad does this guy need to rape? Like, his favorite his favorite gun is missing, and so he's
1: like, "No, I got a knife. I'll just do." I got got a butterfly knife. Let's just use that. (laughs) Sure. And uh, and you know, it's not enough too that he knows that the cops are all over this and looking out. So he's like, "Yeah, I'll wait." Oh, a day. And let's sure. do this again. It's, you know, and it's 1130 a.m. And he even his next yeah. victim's name and is using it. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. How, how many jazzercise classes is, is this guy in? This guy. I, yeah. His know.
0: poster is up in every gym around town, I think. <laughs> Must be. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a lot of great hard-boiled dialogue in this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my uh, favorite lines involves uh, Foster when he asks, you know, hey, do I look like a rapist? And Hooker says, you tell me what a rapist looks like, and I'll show you what a cop's daughter looks like after she's been raped. After she's been raped.
1: I know, right? It's, like, so hardcore, yeah. And I like – so uh, later on when the – you know, in that scene between uh, Shatner and Nimoy, um, he says – like, Hooker tells Maguire." You're up to your armpits in emotion. That's right. You're about to put everything you've worked for on the line. I love that. Up to your armpits in emotion. Yeah. I mean, it's just you can really kind of smell it. It's awesome. Right. Yes. Um,
0: and there's a lot of funny dialogue too. Of course, we get the uh, typical happy oh, yeah. ending in this episode. Uh, he doesn't. Yeah. He gets uh, his gift for opening the account. It's not a clock radio like he wanted. It's a teddy bear. And yeah. of course, he says, uh, "This is a teddy bear. I'm a tough policeman. I want a clock radio."
1: Yeah. And then, you know, and and Romano's like, ah, well, she doesn't work there anymore. And then we get the, uh, you know, the the, the teddy bear in the face, which, I mean, honestly, who hasn't wanted to throw a teddy bear in the face of Vince Romano at one point or another in this show? So it's a really nice moment. It's a good laugh.
0: Oh, certainly. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, the way that Romano hops from bed to bed, I'm sure he's had a teddy bear or two thrown in his face.
1: Uh, I'll bet you're right. I'll bet you're right. He has. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I wanted to point out too. Like, I know that we don't have one of our patented Hooker uh, hood of the car uh, chase scenes, but I do like that when uh, when they get their car from the the um, the police garage where it's just being tuned up, you know, and and it's it's on the heels of one of these funny scenes where he's on the phone, where Hooker's on the phone with with the bank, and like you know, I, you know, like whoever's running the computer is really stupid, and they're right. like, "Oh, you run the computer? Sorry about that." And yeah. they hang up on it. So they. <laughs> They get their car because, you know, Romano comes in. They've got a new lead and he peels out like he just like peels out leaving the garage. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you know, I wonder if if the the garage guys like that, (laughs) you know, because it's awesome and cool. Or if they're like, dude, you know, a little less wear on the rubber. Thank you. And like we didn't need the scorched rubber smell after you left. Right. Uh, They're probably like, hey, uh, peel out in your own car, Hooker. Oh, wait, you (laughs) can't. It was repoed. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, which of course is our great running gag. And I do love, you know, look, uh for nostalgia value, I really love rewatching these episodes because I love looking at LA, you know, back in the 80s. Oh, and sure. it's really to see like Hooker and Romano driving through sort of classic 1980s uh, you know, Los Angeles. We see like ads for for uh, strip clubs and things that right. that I, I'm sure they didn't actually, you know, they, they the, that's that's all real Hollywood at the time, real real LA. Yeah, of uh, co- and never really said, of course, as everyone knows, uh, where right. this is set. But clearly, clearly LA. Right. It, you, you know, people who say that it's maybe Los Angeles County, that the LCPD. Right. Uh, I kind of like thinking that it's Liberty City. I thought that would be a kind <laughs> of funny way, uh, looking at the Liberty City Police Department. Sure. Yeah, that would make. There sense. is there is an episode called Grand Theft Auto later on. That's true. Uh, that is true. Tori Spelling. Tory Spelling is in it. That's right. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, no, so at least we get a little bit of car stuff. Oh, and and one of my favorite gags they do on, on a lot of Hooker shows, so we see them driving along, you know, uh, Hooker and, and Romano are in their, in their cruiser, and um, we see plenty of cars on the road behind them, mm-hmm. but then they get word that there's been another rape, and they pull a quick U-turn in an intersection and peel out, right. and of course there's like no cars anywhere on the road right. behind them just a second ago they were, you know? So, I mean, it's little gags like that, that I think are also a lot of fun. Yeah. I think shows. I've seen
0: that specific
1: U-turn in a couple episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's actually a few, uh, I think there's actually a few tread marks on that same intersection where they practiced it. Right.
0: <laughs> well, as we wrap up here, you have any last thoughts about this episode?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a great one. I mean, vengeance is such a primitive human instinct, you know I mean? I mean, it's one of the reasons that movies like Taken are such a big hit today and, and that, that all the way back to like The Count of Monte Cristo. I mean, like the, you know, vengeance is something that we can all understand. And it, it, if you're going to write an episode and, and have such high stakes and high drama right from the start, you know, having somebody who has something really personal like this happen to them um, is really... It, it, I think it's a great way to go because it it immediately grabs us and pulls us in. Um, I, I think that it's one of the strongest uh, T.J. Hooker episodes. I know that it breaks the the kind of format that we're used to, where we meet the criminal and there's some sort of moral dilemma for for Hooker, and there's an informant that helps him out, right. and maybe a love interest. And then, of course, there's always some strip club scene. You know, that we don't get that in this one either. Right. So I think you know, in in the but we do get the final chase. And we get that satisfaction of you know of of wrapping everything up with the, with the, with a joke, so there's some classic hooker I think what we're seeing is like you know first season was a mid season replacement, right, and so they're really just kind of getting their legs in the first season and this is this is sort of middle early middle second season, yeah. and I feel like this is right when hooker was really coming into its own, like we're starting to see some of the the most powerful and the best episodes of this show ever yeah, this is um
0: and sometimes you have to break the format to to yeah. get some of your best episodes. Yeah, this this is really this is great early hooker, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I always like to see hooker have conflict with the people he's working with and not just yeah. the maggots on the streets, because we always right. get more development out of hooker as a cop.
1: And Shatner puts in some good work
0: and he's really good with Nimoy. They should work together more. Yeah, it's a
1: shame that they never had another chance to, to do any. You know, I know he I know Nimoy directed him in decoy. Right. I I always hoped that they would bring the Paul Maguire character back. You, You felt like they, like these two could have been like, you know, like partners or like a, you know, a captain and a lieutenant or something where they, where they were working together. It would have been cool to see a whole show about these two guys, you know, like solving crimes sure. or something.
0: Yeah, if they had pulled the trigger on him moving to Chicago for season five, you know. Oh, he, he right. Been, yeah, uh, yeah. His captain or, or maybe just, uh, you know, his, his retired friend who's giving him advice and stuff like that. Or
1: you could have done the same thing, you know, the, the, the TV movie that they made after yeah. the series canceled was set in Hawaii. Right. And uh, that would have been cool. You could have had Paul McGuire, like, retire to Hawaii and then be like an older, because, you know, he's, I don't know if he's going to get his badge back after this, honestly, after, after what he's done. Right. I mean, you don't, you don't pull a guy out of the holding cell at the gunpoint. And then, you know, they say, welcome back. I, I don't know uh, the way policing is today in America. Maybe you do, but, um, but, you know, it, it would be cool to have him be like retired and, and be that guy who's the advisor kind of character, uh, you know, and, and they, it, it could have I don't know. You know, I guess you know Magnum really, really defined the Hawaii. Yeah, uh, everybody was not to go
0: Hawaii after that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. This could have been. This could have been uh, a pretty great. That could have been a pretty great show too. Well, a, a Magnum and uh, T.J. Hooker team up would have been really great too. Oh my gosh, that would have been. Oh, that would have been fabulous, right? Yeah. I mean, Magnum's
0: always flashing not, back to Vietnam. Maybe in like uh, they could have a flashback thing where it's uh, Hooker and Magnum in Vietnam.
1: Oh, that would have been amazing. And didn't they do a crossover between Magnum and Murder She Wrote? Oh, that's just uh, that's just me tr- remembering my 80s TV. So we'll have to look that up after the episode. Yeah, but, I'll have to ask my uh, friend on Murder, She Casted. I think that would have been so awesome to have that or like a like a hooker. And uh, and we talked about Hunter Hooker Hunter sort of crossover would have been amazing. Sure. Um, You know, or uh, or, you know, what would have even been better is like a sledgehammer crossover with TJ Hooker. Um, you know, at, do you remember that show? That was a lot of fun. Yes, uh, of course. And, uh, you know, they, they, they both, they both took out a lot of guys. Of course, Sledgehammer being a comedy, uh, they would, we would have had to see a little bit more of, uh, of Shatner's, uh, comedy chops, oh, but that certainly. would have been a Yeah, fun. he could have handled that. No problem. He totally could do it. Yeah. yeah. He's got, he's got all those skills in his, in
0: his arsenal. Yeah. Well, I think we can close the book on this one. Uh, Next time on LCPOD, a young prostitute is killed by her pimp, and Hooker has to find a former prostitute that witnessed the killing before her pimp does. Clarence Williams III guest stars in Sweet 16 and Dead, an episode directed by William Shatner. That's going to be a great one. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that. That's right, yeah. As always, you can join the conversation with other hookheads on our social media, on Twitter at at LCPOD, and on Facebook. I think that's it for this show. I'm your host, Captain Caliban, signing off for Officer Alan Gratz, saying keep your head down and the streets safe.